One of my best friends recently had a baby. She is beautiful. Her name is Arabella and she is only a few weeks old. There were a few complications connected to the birth and my friends have seen their family draw near to protect and look after them as they find their feet as a family unit. It was incredible to watch my friend, who I've known since school, suddenly all grown up, holding, feeding, mothering this child. It was as if she knew exactly what to do, like it was the most natural thing in the world. But as she rightfully reminded me, she was terrified. She was in fair amounts of pain, she was exhausted, and she couldn't do it by herself. She needed her village to help welcome and care for her beautiful, beloved little girl. The closest experience I've had to this was when I welcomed my dog Otis, a pug cross cavalier cross pavement special into our home. He was anxious and scared and would howl and howl and would destroy fences and doors every time I would leave his sight. After a holiday break trying to settle him into his new home, I devised a plan for my return to work. I persuaded Phil Wilcox to come round to my place and in between script writing to continue some training exercises with Otis. They involved leaving him outside for growing amounts of time throughout the day. But when I got home from work, excited to see the progress that the two of them had made, I found Otis wrapped in Phil's arms, fast asleep on the couch. They had spent the day watching television. Few training exercises completed. At least Otis was distracted from my absence by his new best friend. I guess it takes a village. Newborn babies, and rehomed pugileers for that matter, have this great gift of reorganising communities. By their very nature, they draw people around them to tend to them, to hold them, provide safety, security and peace. Their gift does not lie in their strength, their treasure is in their weakness. Babies need us, and we need to be needed. They look to us, and we relish being looked to. They need protection and nourishment, and it's then that our village rallies for their flourishing and for our own. Here in our village at Paddington Anglican, we are in Advent. We are living with great hope and expectation as we live and observe Advent, and we prepare ourselves for the arrival of the Prince of Peace. The young Jesus heralds this great revolution which Isaiah speaks of, as read in our passage today. A revolution where wolves lie with lambs, cows and bears graze together, and lions become herbivores. And this weird and radical new order is led by a child. This prophetic language casts a vision of hope for a world to come, a world full of radical peace. Fear is absent and barriers cast down as enemies become friends, differences embraced, each being living peacefully side by side. This is a vision of unity, of oneness under God, a world resting under God's reign. And Isaiah hints at what's to come in Bethlehem, the leader of our revolution arriving hidden in a weak and vulnerable baby. This may seem a great plot twist in the biblical literature, but perhaps it isn't all that surprising. We have reappearing motives throughout the Old Testament which point to this event. 
we see from a stuttering Moses chosen to lead the Israelites, to God using a faithful donkey to communicate to his not-so-faithful human, God's creativity in flipping the script for the underdog to be chosen and celebrated. It speaks volumes of God's character. But perhaps this gracious strength in weakness is evident in more places than you would expect. Through my connections with Lash, I have read some of the theological writings of Xavier Lipeshon. Lipeshon is not a theologian foremost, he's a geophysicist who made some impressive discoveries connected to plate tectonics. I can't speak too much about plate tectonics. I spent my science classes roasting marshmallows on Bunsen burners, but allow me to pass on some of his observations. Lepichon finds parallels between how healthy communities function by accepting and incorporating its fragility and how the earth functions. He describes in an interview on the program on being, I was very impressed by the way earthquakes are fabricated, which is that in the lower layer of the earth where the temperature is high, then the defaults that are within the rocks are activated and the rocks are able to deform without fracture, become what we call ductile, they flow. But when the temperature is low and cold, it's cold like in the upper few miles of the earth, then they are rigid. These weaknesses cannot be expressed and as a result, the rocks are much more resistant, much more rigid, and they react by reaching their limit of resistance. And suddenly, bang, you have a major commotion and an earthquake. And so the difference is that in one case, the defaults play a role in putting weakness in that and making things much more smooth. And in the other case, it's very rigid. And I find in the society, it's very often the same thing in community. Communities which are very strong, very rigid, that do not take into account the weak points of the community, the people who are in difficulty, and so on. They tend to be communities that do not evolve. Le Pichon goes on to describe the embrace of fragility at birth and the beginning of life as one pole of community life, a reorganisation of community around new life, an experience shared by those in the animal kingdom too. But he notes that the second pole exists within human communities. That is the reorganization of community around those who are at the end of their lives or who are weak and in need. That, he believes, is the God-breathed sacred mark of humanity. The second pole, reorganizing communities around radical acceptance of the weak other, is embedded in Isaiah's vision for the revolution of peace for the people of God. St. Paul quotes Isaiah's prophetic writing as he too joins Isaiah's vision for a new reality where Jew and Gentile worship God together, welcoming one another in radical peace. This peacekeeping and peacemaking that Isaiah and Paul proclaim is our task. We as followers of Christ are to embrace our own weakness and live for him. The Holy Spirit working in each of us to help us grow up in his ways of peace. And it is at Christmas where we take time to remember and sit under the lessons of peace and weakness. We cannot allow ourselves to tire from this story. We must linger here at the stable, stand by the shepherds and kings and look upon the child. We are beckoned to hold God in our, in our arms, to care for and soothe him, to nourish him, to rock him to sleep, to sit a while, 
watching his chest lift and fall with every breath in wonder at the miracle of new life and the blessedness of babies. To marvel that he was God, our fragile, weak, glorious God. And then we must learn to find God in one another. For it is our welcoming of one another that carves the way of peace. It is painfully slow work, far from a decision or, or a daily 10-minute devotional activity. It involves accompanying people to the doctors and in some cases paying for their bills. It is babysitting that child with ADHD just to give their parents a short break. It is extending an invitation to that family you have nothing in common with, losing count of the awkward silences throughout the meal. It is another protest march for climate and another prayer sit-in. Perhaps most difficult, it is learning to not only see God in the faces of the refugees stranded and sick on Manus and Nauru, but to remember to search for God in the face of Scott Morrison, Peter Dutton and Jackie Lambie and others involved in revoking the Medivac bill this week. Dorothy Day, the social activist who began the Catholic worker movement, writes about the difficulties of learning to see all people in this way. She muses on the slow inner work of living intentionally for peace and welcome. She writes, it is rather like the custom that existed amongst the first generation of Christians, when faith was a bright fire that warmed more than those who kept it burning. In every house, a, uh, then a room was kept ready for any stranger who might ask for shelter. It was even called the stranger's room. And this not because the man or woman to whom they gave shelter reminded them of Christ, but because plain and simple and stupendous fact, he was Christ. It would be foolish to pretend that it, is an easy, that it is easy always to remember this. If everyone were holy and handsome, with altar Christus shining and neon lighting from them, it would be easy to see Christ in everyone. If Mary had appeared in Bethlehem, clothed, as St John says, with the sun, a crown of 12 stars on her head and the moon under her feet, then people would have fought to make room for her. But that was not God's way for her, nor is it Christ's way for himself now, when he is disguised under every type of humanity that treads the earth. Peace, this is our great challenge and our village purpose. And I am certainly finding it trickier and trickier to work out how to do this in a culture of fear and anxiety. Our society bleeds fear and division. It is a feature of capitalism. You have to keep people on their toes for progress, make them work hard for their place and keep. But when economic gain is set before the sanctity of people, we are in dark times. This has been a feature of government policies and decisions. Every time I logged on online this past week, I would feel another wave of disappointment about their latest announcement. The repeal of the Medivac bill, the cutting of the federal art department, which was a massive blow for my museo community, but more, a dangerous dismissal of storytelling and human connection. And of course, the government's ongoing silence regarding the connection between climate change and the bushfires. Governments, not only here, but internationally, are able to make these decisions and strip us of ourselves piece by piece because they win through scaring us. All around the world, we have people being pitted against one another. Our fears of change, of going without, of losing power, fears for our safety. 
These fears are played on time and time again by governments, keeping us scared and silent, pawns in their game. It is depressing and disheartening, but there is good news. We are in Advent, and the Christmas story is so much greater than theirs. By silencing us, by stripping us of our power, we are not reduced to pawns in their game. Advent teaches, that, teaches us that in our weakness, we can do God's work. As God came in weakness to share our life and world, so do we embrace our own weakness, our littleness, our, lim our limitations and our fears. And as per, as per Lepichon's observations, we can use our weakness and vulnerability as the flexible fabric of our village. We shift and crease, bend and morph because we are weak. And in our movement, we make space for others very different from us. And of course, God himself. So our village is a sign of peace to the world. We must work to remember this in all we do. And I know that it is rather difficult in our age of fear and anxiety. But as Martin Luther King Jr. encouraged everyone in his 1964 Nobel Lecture, we can take a leaf out of the Odyssey about how to pursue this path. I'm sure you are all familiar with the story of Ulysses and the Sirens. The Sirens' song was so commanding, the sailors could not help but steer their ships off course and towards the Sirens, leading to their demise. Ulysses' crew tried to block their ears and tie themselves to their mast to keep on the correct path, but it was still a huge struggle. Eventually, Ulysses and his crew got creative and booked the legendary singer Orpheus to join them on their ship. And Orpheus's melody was far sweeter than the siren song and its beauty led them along the right path. King points out that our vision should not just be about avoiding the siren song of war and division, but rather working for peace is to surround yourself with its beauty and truth. Following this melody will not lead us astray. So today, the second Sunday of Advent, our village song must be sung louder and more beautifully than those repetitive and predictable tunes of fear which surround us. A child will be born and he will lead our village into peace. <laughs>